Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. MCC is a non-denominational country-style church, just a short 20-minute drive from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. This live recording is made possible by the generous donation and support of our subscribers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org, and you can make your online donation anytime. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Well, welcome back. My name is Beth, and I have the privilege of introducing Rory Nicholson to us. He needs no introduction if you've been around here for a while. But Rory went on from us here to Ambrose, which is why, if you're new, you maybe would know Rory. But uh, he occasionally drops in and visits with us, and of course we all know as we have been praying for him that he's um, really been through a lot in this last year. So he's come to share with us. Uh, Rory used to be here um, as one of the members of the Band of Brothers that were one of our worship teams and also did a lot of singing around the province for cowboy functions and uh, with ushering and things. So Rory's been a big part of our church family for a long time, and we still consider him to be a big part. So we're just really glad to have him come back and to share with us. So come on up, Rory. I'm just going to pray for you. So Father, I would ask that you would be with Rory now, that you would speak your words through him, that we would listen attentively to the things that Rory has to share with us and to challenge us with and we just pray that your spirit would continue to work in this wonderful man in jesus name amen Amen. good morning everyone um god is good Uh, as beth has uh, shared i came here around god led me here around 11 years ago and uh, it was a joy being here a lot of good a lot of good memories um, to give you a little uh, uh, back history, um, I'm adopted, and when I was searching for my natural parents, I found out uh, one had diabetes and the other one had uh, heart disease. I got both. <laughs> so, 14 years ago, I had a quad bypass. And then recently, as you guys have heard, um, we went back on the table. And uh, so the regular routine was November 20th. Uh, I'm at the library at by 8 a.m. Uh, doing schoolwork till noon, lunch, and then have, uh, have a class for three and a half hours, and then off to work, and not get to bed till about 3, 3.30. And I wasn't feeling well. It was a little different than the first time where it felt like a knee on the chest feeling with angina. It was, there was some pressure, but more of an acidy uh, taste. And so this went on for the first two days. And then the third day, I shared with, uh, there was a group of us working on a project, and I shared this uh, discomfort with them. And, and they said, you got to go to Foothills and get checked out. So one of the guys took me down. And after uh, them taking my blood, 
uh, within 45 minutes, a cardiologist walked up to me and said, Rory, you had a heart attack and you didn't know it. I said, how is that possible? He says, it's very possible. And he said, uh, we're, we're booking you in for a triple bypass. I thought, well, there's nothing I can do about it. And uh, so during the course of stay um, there, uh, a classmate of mine and I, we, um, I, I put together a will. And she said, what did you want for scripture for your funeral? To talk about your own funeral while you're still living. It's a little concerning. So I said to her, uh, there was scripture that Beth is going to read uh, that, was, that resonated with me. I, I, uh, I identified with it. Beth, could you read um, Philippians 3, 12 uh, to 14, please, first? Uh, no. No, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to eight. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Perfect. I totally identified with that. And that uh, I just, so, I, uh, so when she asked me what, what I wanted for scripture, uh, so I read 8 to, uh, to 14. <laughs> I'm sorry, Val, can you come back? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is why I'm on the end. <laughs> uh, read the whole thing from 8 to 14. 8 to 14, okay. Yes, please. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, ship of his of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Thanks, Beth. That, in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen, is, is, is trust in God, as he leads me, I'm totally out of my comfort zone, totally. I'm going a, in a direction I'm not familiar with. So my dependency on Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, is 110%, 110%. I'm totally dependent on him on everything. So um, we go to December 6th when... Somebody <laughs> on the medical staff was supposed to be watching me, wasn't. And I had a massive heart attack. And when they realized it, uh, I was rushed into surgery right away. 
and that uh, the surgeon had found I had blown the interior wall of my heart right through. Had it been the exterior heart, I, I definitely wouldn't be here. And that, uh, so she worked on me. Her, her name is Dr. Teresa Kieser. And I had found out she is uh, very stubborn and tenacious in regarding not giving up. Well, she had her hands full with me. Uh, she spent five hours on my heart alone to repair it. And when she tried to uh, uh, crank it up again, my heart wanted to go, adios. And she basically said, not on my watch. Well, during that time, the rest of my body started shutting down. So this past Wednesday, my new GP got all the medical information and uh, he started sharing with me uh, and explaining how the bottom part of the heart works and the top and this is what she had to do for the heart alone. And then he started telling me that, uh, Rory, your lungs start shutting down, your kidneys start shutting down, you had an infection in another uh, major area and he puts the papers down. And he says, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here, Rory. I was hard. It was like a ton of bricks that fell on me. And um, during that time while she was working on me, um, she told me afterwards, I had flatlined over 10 times. I was cabled seven times. And cabled pretty well means instead of ping pong paddles on your heart for a bit of a zap, it's like uh, battery cables. Okay, Bill, crank it up. And, and, uh, and that's how that started. And she didn't stabilize me until the 14th hour. 14 hours she spent on me. Then I was told that half of the surgical team of doctors walked out on her. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we don't hear about these things and that, in a sense, were considered pieces of meat. In other words, to, to them saying to her, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried, let them go. Well, since when do they play God? But that's another, that's another story. And so in talking with her afterwards, I shared with her that, uh, Teresa, uh, I want to share with you that I died. And she says, I know you died at least four times uh, to her uh, medical opinion. And so I'll dive right into it, folks. Uh, well, well, i got to backtrack a little bit. Before I went into surgery, I was joking with one of my... Uh, professors who came to visit and I jokingly said maybe I'll get to meet Jesus or God and and have a 15-minute chat with them about you know why the grass is green the sky is blue and so we had a bit of a laugh about that so yes folks I did die and I did cross over but no I did not see Jesus 
or God, white light, uh, pearly gates, and all that human stuff. Uh, if you can imagine behind me, all the brown wall, everything, one massive charcoal cover with tiny white dots. It was so surreal. That's the best word I can uh, describe it. It was so surreal. And then the next message I got, Rory, you don't, uh, you don't come here in human form, arms, legs. And I looked. Sure enough, wasn't there. I was there in my soul. Then the next message I was given, you bring nothing with you. Nothing. Not your money, not your favorite car, cat or dog or partner. Nothing. It's you. One-on-one. -on -one. And then he changed the background to an old, large calendar. And then the next message I got was, Rory, everyone has a date. 10th, 20th, 30th, doesn't matter. We all have a date. And then the next thing he did with me on a more personal basis was he took me back to the middle 60s when I was five, six years old. And at that time, we had a lot of horses and, and such. And I had a mare that had a colt. And the colt whinnied. And he took me right back there. Standing by the colt so I could feel the sun and the hair on the, on the colt. And then the next thing I heard was my first dog as a puppy whimpering. And it just, I was there. Don't ask me why, how God does things. I can't answer that. And that's what he did for me. The rest of the stuff that I went through was that uh, uh, the drugs that they have are really good. They're very psychedelic. <laughs> so it took me about two weeks to separate God's message or God's involvement and the rest of us um, back in the 60s. <laughs> People believe what they want to believe regarding when you share this. And for some of you... Uh, you may believe it. Great. I hope you do. Some, some don't. Well, you must have had it mixed up with the chemical dependency drugs or stuff like that, but I had affirmation later. Three weeks ago, I had to use um, Airdrie's uh, mini hospital. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, for a migraine. And the nurse came back Rory, you had heart surgery. Yes. Did you die? I said, yes. Were you there in your soul? I said, yes. Why are you asking? She says, that's what other people tell me. That was affirmation. So, God does what God does for his reasons. Now, in the past, before I came to Alberta, when I was going through different valleys myself, God would give me his peace. Ladies and gentlemen, it is so euphoric. 
so euphoric that you want to spend eternity in it. Not that I would hasten it or anything, but you just, there's a yearning for it. And uh, so what God has uh, lying ahead for me, who knows? I finally listened to him when I, when he let me know he wanted me to go down <clears throat> this road through uh, Ambrose University. And uh, as I was sharing with others, I um, only had two classes left or I would have graduated last Saturday if this hadn't happened. Is this difficult to not see, to walk with a leg from the knee down that is dead, that has circulation, nothing else? I can't move my foot, I can't move my ankle. It's challenging. But I do know God is going to use me. Somehow, somewhere, he's going to use me to jolt, push, nudge person or persons, whether it's here and other places that uh, I'll be speaking at, to prompt them into getting off their butts in, the, in regards to their relationship with God. And that's what I'm about. I'm not about religion. I'm not about being religious. But what Rory is about is having a relationship with God. So what is your personal relationship with God like? That's between you and him. Nobody else. What you do, think, say, everything is between you and him. So there's kind of a bit of a responsibility with that, in a sense, that um, how, we, how we lead, in the sense of there are many leaders here in different ways. I'm pretty sure some of you don't realize. Grandmas and grandpas, it's your duty and responsibility to lead your grandchildren towards God. If you believe in God, Jesus Christ, it's your duty to lead your grandchildren and lead by example. Oh, I wanted to, uh, <laughs> I almost forgot. Uh, I'll ask for the answer when I'm, when I'm just about done. What is the best gift one human being can give to another? You guys think about that for a while. Other leaders here that, and it doesn't have to be with the church, Community. Um, I'm so pleased to see that God has brought who He wants here, and that there that there's more again community. So when I was here, there was uh, certain men here that were an influence in a quiet way. Um, I'm not I'm not going to ask these men to. Uh, say here, <laughs> like roll call. Um, Mike Voth, one day you shared a story of how frustrating you were trying to get a cow or cows into a corral. <laughs> None of them were listening. <laughs> and I heard the frustration in your voice. And I thought to myself, man, oh man, does Mike have inner strength? not to use profanity. 
So easy to go there. So easy. But here was a young man showing this old goat he had the inner strength not to go there. And I admired that. Um, Gary Wakeham. You showed the example of of uh, giving of your time and not only visiting me, I think it was seven or eight times, but of others that you knew that were in hospitals and, and uh, other institutions. Glenn Chambers. <laughs> the ever ready, the ever ready bunny's taking lessons from you, buddy. <laughs> You lead by, you roll up your sleeves, let's get her done. Um, and finally, um, Al Dickey. You and Della came visited one day. And for some reason, while I'm laying uh, in ICU, you were behind me and I'm looking up at you. And I, I saw tears, but I didn't see individual tears. I saw a stream of tears. You, sh- you guys showed me love. So you guys, there are leaders. Most of them are very quiet. And in our relationship with God, we are challenged. Because we get up in the morning, and we hurry up to the bathroom, we hurry up to the breakfast table, and we hurry up getting dressed, and we hurry up out the door to begin our day. When we make a concerted effort in spending time with God, in his word, or talking with uh, another uh, church cohort, iron sharpens iron. And it's important. What I've learned at my time at Ambrose is there's a lot of things that I learned from the books and what the pro- professors were sharing. But what you really learn about is yourself, how you identify with God's word and uh, what, ma- what man has talked about God in different areas, like uh, I'll have my master's in leadership in ministry. So it's the relationship that we make a choice. We're all given choices every day. What we choose to do or not is going to strengthen or weaken that relationship. And it's huge. When I look back now, in what I've done in my life, and uh, I've had time to reflect, is the more I put into my relationship with Christ, the more he gives back. In, in ways, folks, I can't imagine. I can't. And I'll be challenged with something, and I'll think, oh, well, I've got the answer, and it doesn't work out, and you get frustrated and are mad, and... and when it does work out, you go, huh, why didn't I think of that? And God goes, that's my job. Who has the answer to what is the best gift one human being can give another? And I gave a hint earlier. Who's paying attention here? Who said time? Give her a cupid doll. <laughs> time. Because for us more <clears throat> mature people, time has 
and we're trying to put the brakes on. Mm, not quite. Time. Time spent with our Lord in, in, your, in your way that, that works for you. Time with your adult children in sharing and talking about. Time spent with your grandchildren because they look up to you. They look up to you. I had 22 roommates. Not because of me. <laughs> it was because some were pre-op and some were post-op. And the very first one was this little four-foot East Indian woman. I mean four feet, if that. She looked like a little kid. But she had the dark face, dark uh, black eyes. And uh, so the staff had to you know, do what they had to do with her. And uh, by this time, it was getting uh, around 7, 8 o'clock, so it's dark outside. And she had the window seat, so to speak, with, with her bed. And my bed was farther in. And she's pacing. She's pacing in front of the window. She's pacing along, back and forth. And I can tell because when you lose one sense, your other senses pick up. I could tell she had shoes on that were either new or she had uh, new soles and new heels. And uh, she's pacing, pacing, and then she stops about midway. And I'm going, oh, no. And she grabs a curtain, and she, and she goes like this. <laughs> oh, crap. It's like Halloween, man. <laughs> you know, cause, and it's just because my ears are telling me uh, you know, where you are and everything. And uh, so she, she's back to the pacing. So we'll say that she'd be about here, we'll say, looking out the window. Then there'd be about, about that much space between her bed and, and the window. So then you take the width of her bed, the width between her bed and my bed, and then my bed. Then there was silence. And then the next thing that happened is, I don't know if it's humanly possible, but this four-foot little woman blew out the biggest fart. <laughs> Ten men eating a cans of beans wouldn't have produced with this woman. If I had a match, she'd have started a campfire another 30 feet away. I thought, oh my gosh. How can this little thing... How can this little thing just explode? Yeah. And so, by this time, my covers are like right here. <laughs> and you know why. Because I'm thinking, when's this uh, nuclear haze coming? Didn't take long. If there had been live plants in the room, they'd have been dead. Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, like I said earlier with, with my senses, when you see a blind person kind of going like this, is because we're, tr we're trying to listen to you and we're trying to catch the words that is best for our hearing. So when I'm trying to hear something going like this, and dogs are going, I don't even hear what he hears. <laughs> and uh, life can change in a heartbeat. And it did for me. And it has for some others here in different ways. But God is still good. And um, there are, just like anything else, there are good days and there isn't. 
there's challenging days, there's frustration days, but it goes back to depending on God in his peace, his word. I unfortunately cannot at this point read anything. I can look at my phone and be familiarized with something, but to take a book and a magnifying glass doesn't work because my eyesight was changed when I was on the table and my heart was only beating 20%. When, when it's beating that low, there's not enough blood to go into the blood vessels behind the eyes and it's automatic blindness. I'm told that some people do get their eyesight back over years and some not at all. So I just accept what God is uh, going to do with me in his way. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing those who you wanted here to make this church vibrant, this community vibrant, and to use them as an example of working together. Father, bless each and every individual here today and lift them up. I pray that you will show yourself to them individually in your own way in the in everyday uh, struggles and in everyday triumphs because you are good every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It is our desire to direct people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the source of all life, hope, and true transformation. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. We are a non-denominational evangelical congregation, so all are welcome. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available.